0: You are listening to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspirations shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I'm Purdy, Associate Consultant with Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with top tech talents. Today, I'm your host. Just a disclaimer before we get into the discussion, all thoughts and views spoken by the speaker or myself are only representing each individual and not that of their company. Welcome to another installment of our podcast. On today's podcast, we will be discussing the topic of navigating a mid-career switch into data space, challenges and opportunities. I'm delighted to be joined by Mudit, CEO at Babel, and Gibson, Director of Engineering at Mighty Jax. To begin, you'd be great for both gentlemen to give a brief introduction of themselves. Maybe Gibson, would you like to go first?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, so my name is Gibson. I'm the director of engineering of Mighty Jacks. So, I, my, so tech actually was, wasn't really my first career choice. Actually, when years ago, probably 20 years ago, my first career was actually I was a sailor in the Navy. I was there for about six years. So from there, I actually transitioned over to a tech career. And I've, now, I've, now, I've, now, I've never looked back since then. I've done web, mobile, almost a lot of tech uh, platforms across uh, various various systems and various operating systems.
2: Mudi. Uh, hi everyone. My name is Mudit Singhania. Uh, I I don't like Gibson. I also have a non-linear tech background, where I come from a uh, from hospitality. I have worked for a period of twelve plus years across both industries. Now, uh, I have studied about data and software related uh, programs. Uh, right from NUS and all the way uh, self-educating myself on different topics. And uh, I have been running Babel for the last four years now, where we uh, work on data platforms and data solutions, depending on what the client's requirements are.
0: Thank you both. That's so interesting. So I guess, you know, um jumping right into the podcast today. Um, it's really great to have you both. And I guess what inspired both of you to consider make career switch into the space. Maybe um Modi, would you like to go first?
2: So the more most important thing is delighting customers has been a key North Star for me. Uh right from my uh you know hospitality days, because that's what you know the the pole uh our objective is to ensure that you know your customers are happy you give them a wonderful experience and uh try to build on that now the most important thing is that this led to me working with uh behemoths mm-hmm. in the fnb sector in the hospitality sector and i got that rich experience of not only understanding the customer's needs requirements from an end-to-end perspective but also how to make it profitable for an organization uh, in the hospitality sector. <clears throat> Since then, I was also working in the world of software with the company called Dark Labs, uh, which was more from a product and sales perspective because that's been my key forte about handling operations, handling uh, product uh, development functionalities, as well as looking after the overall life cycle of the product. This decision actually led me to study uh, further at NUS where I completed my graduate studies uh, from uh, ISS, Institute of System Science, in the year 2018.
0: Mm. Mm. I see. Uh, Wow, that's a really interesting journey. How about Gibson?
1: Okay, so actually for me, I was... Uh, basically I was in the I was in the Navy, then I actually had my first experience in like fixing systems, like because the system was quite advanced so like radar systems, navigation systems. So I actually had a first hand experience like fixing things and just seeing like okay, how actually it's quite fun, you know say like it's quite fun to fix things and then get it up and working and then uh, letting people try out and then after you just like a lot of uh, feedback from the from the customers on how to adjust the systems and kind of things. So from there I actually learned from there I actually learned programming. So while the ship was sailing out overseas, like in uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, and all the neighboring waters, I was actually just doing my own programming, writing code on paper, and pe- using paper and pencil, just writing code. And then when I reached back to Singapore, I typed type in all this code into my desktop. Then from there, I was just learning as I go along with because I find that it was actually quite fun and quite interesting for me.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so you're actually manually writing code using pen and paper on the ship.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, because wow. they did not they did not allow us to bring. There was no desktop computers. There was no laptop. So basically, it's like only thing I did was just uh, borrow some book from the library, then bring the books on board the ship. Then I just follow the instructions, write some code. Then after I reach like, it back home, I just type it out. Then try to fix the fix the issues in the code over the weekends or when I go or when I go home on holidays.
0: Oh my gosh, I guess that's what (laughs) you call like real passion. (laughs) Okay, Uh, okay. Okay, so I guess, you know, what what were some of the biggest challenges that both of you faced during your transition, you know, to the data space? Maybe Gibson, would you like to go first?
1: Okay, I think the transition was at that time, it was around around early 2000. So there was actually, there's kind of a a misconception, I would say, that tech is actually not a career that people will actually stay or people want to do in Singapore because they think like, okay, because at that time a lot of companies were actually outsourcing a lot of tech to like Vietnam, Indonesia, India, they were saying like, okay, so so a lot of people saying like, okay, if you do tech in Singapore, basically, you won't get a pay rise and you your career will be stagnant in the success industry because there will <coughs> always be people in other countries willing, willing to do it for less than half the price. And also, that was the misconception among the industry around that time. And also, one thing was that As a mid-career, it means like when I started off, I was around 26, 27. So uh, a lot of my peers actually, they actually had a head start on me in a number of years in terms of working experience, in terms of technology-wise knowledge. So there was a steeper learning curve that I actually had to encounter when I went into the tech industry because I had to learn more things faster than in order to catch up or get on par with my
2: peers. I absolutely agree with what Gibson is saying out here, because when we talk about, uh, you know, having a shift in industries, it's more like a midlife crisis, which you have to, you know, overgo and uh, take care of, because it's more about, uh, you know, handling the expectations from your peers and teachers. Uh, There's a steep learning curve, like how Gibson said, it's not only about uh, learning something completely different, but also at the same time, trying to Use your expertise, your skills, your experience uh, to, you know, uh, shine out from the rest. Because the others who were there were obviously uh, a tad bit, you know, uh, younger as compared to what I was when I attended uh, school at NUS, for example. And the most important thing is being accepted by the industry, because. Uh, mm acceptance in the industry it's it's more like you know uh it's like a formula that if you have skill set a plus b plus c it's very easy to get you know accepted and you know mm. get a job but if you come from a non-linear background in the tech space it is like mm. uh you know saying should i take this bet on person xyz so that's another critical aspect
1: mm, yeah i, I think-, think i yes i agree i agree with that because actually i some of the better developers that i see around me in my circle they do not come from a computer science background they come from backgrounds such as uh, social science physics maths background they don't they do not actually study hardcore programming or computing in their uni days but probably just take uh, one module as an intro course but they were just focusing on other ta- other disciplines then only when they graduated they realized that actually programming is something that they want to do they learn it
2: and they became actually pretty good developers Oh, yeah, really? I would just like to add one point out here, Uh, especially from the cohort that I passed out with. uh, I can say this, that most of them were not from a core computer science background or, you know, having that kind of expertise. They were more from ECE, that's electrical engineering, uh, which was which had a fair bit of coding, but not to the extent of, you know, what you see in computer science uh, schools or, you know, uh, courses.
0: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective as a recruiter, you know, um, absolutely, I do see a lot of candidates um who come from background whereby they're not even anything close to computer science, but they take up, you know, external courses from um, places like General Assembly or, you know, just yeah. online courses like Coursera or even just practicing um, on lead code they are actually pretty fantastic and pass, you know, certain technical interviews. So that's something that I'll observe from my end as well. Okay. So, earlier, you know, given the challenges that both gentlemen mentioned, how do you actually overcome those challenges that you have mentioned? And, you know, essentially, how do you acquire the necessary skills and knowledge to be successful, um, to be where you are today? So uh, Maybe, you know, Murdi would like to go first?
2: Uh, A very important thing out here would be uh, to exceed the expectations that are set. Uh, It's very important to be ahead of the curve because uh, whether it's learning a particular skill, if you already start, you know, preparing for it, if you are, you know, uh, one step not only ahead of the class, but also, you know, what your peers are thinking of, what you're going to be taught, it is much more better. So I do that on a regular basis. I keep taking up different courses at different points of time, uh, not only to brush up my skills, but also to excel in that particular uh, domain. For example, if we talk about data, it's more about understanding different research papers that I keep looking at so that I get a better understanding of, you know, how uh, analytics can be done in a much better way and how can it define uh, the requirements that are there whether it's on a day- daily or a day-to-day basis or from a uh, customer's uh, point of view as well. Thank you Gibson.
0: Keep- are your thoughts? <laughs>
1: okay, I, think one, uh, I think the most important characteristic attribute is like being self-aware because for me as a mid-career person actually I'm aware that actually I have a I had, I'm had actually lagging in, in terms of all my peers that have been that studied co- uh, computing in the uni days when they were much younger. So being self-aware and knowing that I am lagging. So what I do is I try always uh, do a lot of reading on weekends or join telegram groups about uh, tech and find out what, what's new in the industry and brush up my skill set. Whenever there's a new programming framework that comes out or a new language, I'll just go and do like, some weekend coding just to keep myself abreast of the new technologies and recently, I've been reading a lot of books that deals with a lot of hardcore algorithms and their structures because I realized that that's something that I'm actually not really good at. So I've been borrowing books or reading articles about that. So to basically just brush, uh, brush up my skills and being aware that I, I have to always keep on learning and be, being curious about what's coming the new in the new space, in the technology space.
0: Awesome. It's really great to know that, you know, um, you guys are continuously learning and improving your skills and upskilling. That's really impressive. So I guess, you know, for um, mid-career switches, how do you think um, these people can actually build their network in the data space? And what are some resources that, you know, these people can use to find mentorship and support when they are actually looking to change or, you know, switch gear into a different kind of career?
2: To make it, uh, I mean, to make it very abundant. It's not only about the skill sets that you know we acquire as individuals, because uh, that's up to us as to you know what kind of skill sets do we have. It's more about uh, how can you you know bring about an awareness. Like how, for example, when we talk about brands that come out in the market or or were available in the market, there's a good brand awareness that is there about these particular companies. That is why they sell. A lot more than the newer age brands when they launch similarly it is very important that you know as an individual how we can you know network how we can understand what people are saying in the particular industry uh, be a part of these kind of networking uh, events uh, showcase what you, your thought processes are there it, it, at these events where you can uh, talk about the, the the challenges that are being faced by the industry learn about different challenges and see what kind of outcomes or you know uh, different points that you can help to solve these particular kind of problems uh, to be very fan honest my brother was a very big inspiration for me because he comes from a linear background in tech so understanding from him and leaping onto the trajectory that he had embarked upon was something that I saw in a very big way. Uh, yes, I did my graduate program from NUS. It's been almost six years and possibly I might not stop at that program. I might also look at other kinds of you know, ways to upskill myself. Uh, but at the same time, the business mindset that I have got through the experience that I have achieved over the last 12 years, that is of critical importance because it's not only about uh, coding or understanding technology, it's also about bridging the gap between business and technology by identifying these gaps, identifying what kind of, you know, uh, loopholes can be, you know, plugged through uh, technology and ensuring that those business outcomes are achieved. I, see. Yeah, I think
1: I agree. For us, for me, and to give some advice to people entering the industry, like mid-career career people, or even like people, fresh graduates from universities, like, always try to improve your network. So for me, I'm actually a member of a hacker space, and to go to events, or will be a real events or PHP events. So basically, anything that's quite interesting for me on the tech space, I'll try to attend. So I meet people that I, sometimes if you just go for drinks or just go for uh, dinner after the event, then we just talk and get to know, strike out a friendship because who knows that maybe they, their company is hiring or may, they may know someone who is actually hiring uh, and there's a vacancy. So for I think for people in the tech industry, if you are very curious, like you should always try to join telegram groups or WhatsApp groups for those events And as, because Singapore, the tech space is actually pretty small. So after a while, you actually keep on seeing the same familiar faces over and over again. Then you get some sort of you how say you actually strike up some bonds with some of the people, and from there you are able to grow your network and grow your and grow your circle so.
0: I see those are really really good advice, you know. So I guess you know um for someone from a non technical background, how can they kind of um, morph their CV or their resume into something that um you know companies are willing to actually take a chance upon?
2: I I truly believe in the words, in Picasso's words, when he uh, said, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Uh, The reason for that is basically that, you know, once you have your fundamentals correct and you are able to, you know, uh, understand your roots, it is very important. Then you can build on that and, you know, uh, build something wonderful. It, It takes time to build something. I mean, it like it said, that room was not built in a day. Similarly, uh, you know, building anything wonderful, obviously, takes time. There's a lot of struggle behind it, but at the same time, once you make it successful, uh, the full world will hear your story. Yes,
1: uh, agree. So for me, okay. So how, uh, how I say. Okay, so for me, it's like, whenever I see a resume from multiple candidates, because I've been recruiting candidates for my various companies and startups over the years, so one thing I always see is like, how do they craft their resume in terms of like problem solving? Right? Because for engineers, the focus is always on problem solving. It could be a technical problem, it could be a business problem, it could be any type of problem. Right? How do they actually tailor their resume and write down the what they've done in terms of problem solving? Like, were they given the task? that's non-technical by their boss and then they actually solve it and give down, write down very clear details of how they actually solve it in terms of the steps, the, t- the top process. Because for engineering, one thing is that when given a problem to solve in terms of like how do you write a code or how do you produce a piece of software, there's a lot of top process and there's a lot of thinking that goes behind it. So I want to know from in terms of this candidate, like what's their top process? Are they, mento- are they very methodical or do they just uh, try everything at once and see which works or do they actually step back take back one step and then see like, and think through like, how do I go through from step one to step two to step three. So having the kind of idea in the top process and then writing those down into the CVs actually gives me an idea of whether they can be a, a good candidate uh, for the company or whether they are actually something, someone who's actually very coachable in terms of being able to accept new ideas and improve themselves further.
0: I see. Really, really good advice. Um. Also, I guess you know. Um. To end off this podcast, what are yeah. some um key pointers that you know um? Make careers which should take you note know, of before they actually take the take the dive to change into something uh, a whole new world, right? Yeah. So, what are some you know general advice and direction you would like to give to
2: this group of people? Um, a very important thing is that it is not something that you know. Uh, there has to be a lot of thought behind going in for a career switch because it's not something which is going to be simple or easy to you know do but once you take that plunge it is very important to stick by it and at the same time ensure that you are working towards that goal Uh, be be very honest and practical about what you are writing on your resume because uh, if you say you know a particular skill set and if you don't know it uh, it is gonna you know hurt the credibility that is there in the form of your resume and as Gibson mentioned that the Singapore market is a very small market it takes, It takes a fraction of a second to, you know, understand who is the right candidate and who is not a right candidate. People can actually, I mean, just by sneezing, people will know across Singapore that, you know, somebody has done something and it will be out like a viral statement. So you need to be very thoughtful. You need to be very careful with what you do, but you need to have noble intentions of Moving forward in the journey, yes, it will be a struggle, but that struggle will pay off once you see the 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 you know fruits bear see the seeds bear fruits. Uh, so I will say, uh, for people that are looking to join a, a
1: new industry, first thing first, they that they have actually a passion for it, and they, they and they're not just going it going into it for the money. Because when I first started out, right now I'm actually my company we do a lot of web tree and. Uh, and also like e-commerce things. So when I first started out in the, industry, in the tech industry, there's no such thing as a iPhone apps, no such thing as Web3. All this was something that's actually, no one actually thought of, but I went into the tech industry because I was actually passionate about coding, development, producing software. So for those people that actually want to join a new industry and they're just going eat, going to eat for the money when the industry downturn, like example, for now there's a lot of layout still, they get, they get disillusioned, then they realize that they are not inside there just for the, passion just in there for the money then they'll just drop out and they'll probably go back to your old career again so first thing first is make sure that you are actually genuinely interested in the industry before you make a leap because it's a because basically when you do a leap you're not starting from where you left off you're actually starting right like from the beginning or probably just a few years ahead of uh fresh graduate so the so the competition will be tougher but if you have the passion and you have the grit to go forward then you definitely can make yourself success in the industry
0: Good stuff. Those are really, you know, precious advice that we should all take. <laughs> all right. So we'll leave it here as that's all the time that we have for today. And I want to okay. thank, take this opportunity to thank, you know, um all of you for providing your insights and knowledge to the topic. And thank you to everyone for listening. I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.